Hey friends, this is Robbie, and it is time for Real Faith coming at you live right here on Faith FM. We'll talk again right after this tune. You got all that emotion that's heaving like an ocean And you're drowning in a deep, dark well I can hear it in your voice that if you only had a choice You would rather be anyone else I love you just the way that you are I love the way you made your precious heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself I know it's hard to hear it when that anger in your spirit Is pointed like an arrow at your chest When the voices in your mind are anything but kind And you can't believe your father knows best I love you just the way that you are I love the way he's shaping your heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself How does it end when the war that you're in Is just you against you against you Gotta learn to love, learn to love Learn to love your enemies too can't expect to be perfect, it's a fight you gotta forfeit You belong to me, whatever you do So lay down your weapon, darling, take a deep breath And believe that I love you Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself You're listening to Real Faith, and this is Faith. Oh, wait, what am I supposed to? This is Real, Real Faith. Faith with Robbie and Tash yeah. on Faith FM Radio. You ever have those moments where it's like, oh man, Hollywood gets blooper reels. How come I don't get those in my real life? <laughs> That's so that was sure. one of those, and I get them yeah. all the time. Yeah. Do you, can you guys relate to that? Can I totally you, can, can relate, relate to that? that. I think. Uh, and I want them to play during the credits. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. The, that I feel reel. like the credits is most of my life and everything <laughs> that I ever say. <laughs> How are you today, Tash? It's so exciting to be here with you. Oh, I'm doing so well, but it's so humid out there. It is. It's, oh. I tell you what, if you are in, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the state right now, but if yeah. you are in the Lake Macquarie, Newcastle kind of region at the moment, the Sydney Basin, any kind of, it yeah. has been muggy ass. Yeah, we've had a lot of rain and then sun and then rain and it's just been one 
sauna. That's yeah, what it's I been. had to literally throw blankets off of my bed this week because yeah. I was dying. Yeah. And I didn't want to die. You know, I just didn't think it was my time yet. It's not, not the way I wanted to go out drowning Death in my own by, sweat. Yeah, drowning in your own anyway. sweat. <laughs> and how are you enjoying your first couple of weeks of freedom after finishing all your assessments? Oh, it's been good. It's been very good. I get up when I feel like it. I do my devotionals for as long as I feel like it. It's a really good good, good place to be. That's awesome. And then I'm like, oh, I have to start my day. Okay. No, you already did. See, because when you get up and you're spending time with Jesus, you are starting your day right. <laughs> That's, That's the true. best way. That's I love true. It. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, man. So we are going to have a great show today. We are continuing our journey through the book of John, and we're up to John chapter 9 today, mm. and we're going to be learning about the story of a man who was born blind from birth and what Jesus is going to do in his life. So you'll want to stick around for that. Mm. We're also going to hear from our good friend Brian on our Testify segment today, and he's going to be sharing a story about about what God's been doing in his real life. And uh, we also are going to have some weird and wonderful facts, which I'm always excited about. <laughs> but also, before we get in too far into the show today, I want to do a shameless plug, and we'll plug this a couple of times. Um, first of all, you can call or text in at any time during the show for our question of the week. We'd love to hear from you. Last week, unfortunately, we had no questions, and I was very dun, sad. Dun, dun. So we're hoping that we'll get some questions about God, the Bible, spirituality, etc. Sometime during the show, you can text or call yeah, those in at any time. To zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. That number again is zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. But also, we're going to have a code word coming at you during the Bible study, where we're going to be giving you a giveaway of a free book to the first caller, just the first caller today. So you want to get your hands on that. We'll tell you a bit more about that later in the show. But also, we wanted to do a super shameless plug for the morning show, the breakfast show, right here on Faith FM this coming Monday. The today's twenty five twenty. 27, 28, 29. That'd be the 29th of November. We're going to be hearing from Michaelia Cash, the Honorable Michaelia Cash, talking about the discrimination bill, the religious discrimination bill. So you'll want to come check that out. This is Melissa Otto. Here he comes. See you. 
pull me out from the midst of my enemy, my faithful one. Here he comes to vanquish his enemies, fighting with a fierce love, a love stronger than death. My true one, if I say my foot is slipping, your mercy. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. And uh, oh, what a beautiful song! Isn't that a? I, I actually really like that song. That whole yeah. record's good, by the way. You should check it out. Melissa Otto. The record is called Blue Sky, and that song was Here He Comes. All right, so it has come that time in our show where we talk about what a weird and wonderful world that God has made for us, <laughs> and uh, I'm excited. I love this portion of the show. I actually, I'm going to be honest, I love every portion of this show. This, every portion of this show is very good. Since the show started over very a year good. ago, a year and a half ago, I've, this has been one of the highlights of my week. That's Aww. for sure. I love it. Aww. I love it. So tell me. Tell me some weird and wonderful facts about this world that God has made. Okay, so today's weird and wonderful fact it comes from the word Lego got. What? what? What is that? Say it yes. again. Lego got. Lego got. Is that, is that legit? That's a legit name. So you're talking about Legos today. I am. Is that, oh, really? I am. I was making that up. I That's thought, not, I no. thought this is a Latin word for something. No. No, legit. We're That's talk- legit the word. I love it. I love the, Lego. The Danish word. Yeah. Wow. For is Lego got, which means to play well. Literally. Literally You're means, kidding me. I'm not kidding. All these years, I grew up playing Lego in the 90s. I was, we were just talking about that with our lovely producer that is here today, Magantha, and we were talking about how she wasn't born until after the 90s finished, and I was just like yeah. flabbergasted. But now we're, talk, we're, we're going to give you some insight and all of our younger listeners about yeah. something that you uh, can experience, but I also <laughs> experienced a long time ago, and it was, it was around before that. Good too, old Legos. So. Legos. Well, the... The Play well. Lego, I love it. That's Legos a great can, name. Yeah, it's a great name, isn't it? Are they like a... Where, where did you say it was from? Denmark? Yeah, it's from Denmark. So are they like a Danish company? So it's... Yeah, they're still owned by the family as well. Wow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it's crazy. So they started in 1949. And well, in 1949, they made the actual first plastic brick. But before that, they actually had um, little wooden... Wooden Legos. Wooden Legos. They probably would charge you an they, arm and a leg for that, literally. Yeah, because they like had a Lego to, arm or leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And oh, look, it got me thinking because my nephew, he turns 12 on on Saturday and he loves Legos. And my mum has already given him his installment of Lego for this year because he only gets one Lego now a year. That's because the inflation and the price of Legos has oh, gone up. They're as expensive as cars. It's ridiculous. Just about. And, and, oh. Okay, so if you don't know what a Lego is, and you've never stepped on one as a parent, <laughs> it's true. torture. It's torture, and I know you have to wear shoes in your own. You have house. to wear shoes in your own house, <laughs> and I know a lot of parents who've actually sucked up uh, Legos. Okay, so the Legos started in 1949, and then in about 1968 they became the first Lego Land, um, and then in 1969 they the made first Lego Land. What do you mean? Like, like it's a like, like a, a place theme park, that, like a theme park that you could go to and play with Legos and play with Legos. Wow. Yep. 
And then since the sixties, since the sixties, dude, all this time I yeah, thought we were all advanced Europe. over here on this side of the planet. No, but no, no, Denmark's had it for years. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> way ahead of us. And then they the just, Scandinavians are ahead of us on all these things. They actually are. <laughs> <laughs> I won't bring up any stats for that today, but they they definitely are in a few things. And so yeah, nineteen sixty nine, they made Duplo. If you know what Duplo is, yep. it's like the bigger it's version big Lego. of Lego, so younger kids could play. Yeah, less swallowable. Less. Swallowable. Safer for toddlers. That's true. That's yeah. very true. I actually think that's a, probably the reason that they did that. Yeah, <laughs> it is the reason, and because it's easier to connect for them to play with. Hey. Yeah. So by go. the seventies, you had minifigures, mm-hmm. and then slowly, slowly, they've included literally everything from um, Star Wars to you. You name the movie, you name the superhero. It comes now in Lego form. So they have more than a thousand different sets. And so they have Star Wars as superheroes. So there's like Lego Classic. That's just your regular Lego. There's Lego Friends. Dude, when I was a kid, oh, I had, so I had, I had a Lego police officer on a motorbike, Ooh. and he had the cool sunnies. Yeah, Ooh. I'm telling you. Did they? And I had a pirate Lego down? ship. That oh. was that was my favorite, and it came with sharks. Oh, I know. So is that part of like the Ninjago? Because that's one of the. No, this is older than that. I remember when that was invented. Oh. <laughs> I remember because Ninjago came late eighties, nineties. So then you've got Lego Technic. Do you know Lego Technic? So they're the ones with um, uh, uh, like the car with movable parts. So yeah, the text, car. Text or call oh. in at any point and tell us your favorite Lego yeah, set. I would love to uh, reminisce. Yeah, and on you can even get early nineties childhood. Uh, the the, <laughs> the Death Star from Star Wars. Yeah, that's one of the all sorts most, of things. All sorts of things, and so the largest Lego structure or by a number of bricks was. 13 meters high. 13 meters high? Yep, 5, 5 million, sorry. I have rock climbed. I've, you have to rope up to climb things shorter than that outside on rock climbing. Yep. That's a seriously big leg. And it was the London Tower Bridge, and it fit two cars on it. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. It's like the Redwoods of California just yeah. about here. But I think the coolest thing I found was there's a Lego caravan that's been built to scale in Australia. Literally everything, checkerboard, uh, the flowers, flower pot, milk and cheese in the fridge, pieces of toast, saucepan, fried eggs, every Aussie staple, including the jar of Vegemite wow. in, in <laughs> a real life Lego caravan. Does it have, does it work? Does it run? It doesn't work and you can't eat anything that's in there. So it's a very interesting place. This is terrible. But it's built to scale oh, and man. only in Australia. So yeah. That's pretty cool. There's so many different things, but I just love the thing that I love about Lego is that even if you don't build what's on the box, you can build whatever you want with it. So because of the way it was built, it can literally make anything you want. So it goes beyond any imagination and every, anything you want to do. So yeah. That's, Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And God has given us free will and the ability to do so many things yeah. just like that. This is Chris Rice leaning on the everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from Everlasting arms 
sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all To dread, what have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms, I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all along. Listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM. Glad to have you back. And now, this is the time for our testify segment. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> a time where we have someone come onto the show and testify about what God has been doing in their real life. And today we've got our good friend Brian. Are you there with us, Brian? Hello, hello. You guys sound so excited. Well, we are we're excited. always excited. <laughs> <laughs> and we're excited to have you on the show. Now, both Tash and I know you very well and uh, for a number of years now, but our listeners probably don't know you as well. Now, Brian has appeared on the show before and come on as a co-host, but uh, for the benefit of our listeners today, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, Brian, before we get into your story? Yeah, sure. So I'm an international nursing student who has been living in Sydney, but recently moved up to the Kernbong area. Um, I'm a triplet and... Yeah, I've really found uh, my faith in the past four years and been a, a, just a, a part of Coast Life Adventist Church. You! Good old shameless you, plug. You! And uh, you can come join us anytime, any Saturday at Coast Life Adventist Church. Check us out, facebook.com slash Coast Life Adventist Church NSW. We're currently meeting in Caves Beach at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, you can check us out. But awesome. We're, so we're so stoked to have you with us, Brian. And uh, yeah, we're going to hand it over to you. We'd love to hear your story. Go for it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I, I briefly mentioned there that I moved to Kernbong recently. And can I just say that is such an answer to prayer for me. So I've been, I've been looking for a place to live um, and potentially moving out of Sydney for, um, like you could say, upwards of a year and a half now um, in a large portion. I've been looking for a place to live. And, and there were certain criteria I, I, I'd kind of been looking for or wanting to meet and, and just praying about it that an opportunity would open up or 
um, that the right situation would come along the line. And, um, and, I, and I recently moved here. And it's funny because over the past couple of, of, of times that I've been in lockdown alone in, in my room in this little place that I had, um, I was like, oh, man, it'd be really great to, um, to like, meet a dog and just, like, ha- have a dog around and kind of have some, like, some animal therapy because I love animals. And, oh, uh, it'd be really good if, if I could just be around some other people and, and just, like, just not, not just be so isolated on my own all the time. And, uh, it'd be really good if there was some, some way to have some, some, some food or, or, or something going on in, in that department as well. Um, and just, just be more, more around where people are living and connected. And, and so all these things are going through my head, but I'm just praying, Lord, I, I'm not doing well here. I need to move. Um, you know, can you help me, help me figure this out? Well, it kind of all came together and a friend of a friend, let a friend know. And, and I got a number and I called him up and, and that moved forward and, and I'm here. And, and these things that I hadn't prayed about that I thought would be nice bonuses, like have turned out into to be reality. So I'm living in a situation where I'm living with a family who has just been super warm and welcoming. They've got a few boys that are my age. Um, she cooks dinners for me. Um, they have a ton of dogs and some puppies right now. They're really cute. Oh, here's the one I didn't mention. I thought it'd be really good to have a little bit of extra space just to store things so it wouldn't be quite so cluttered. And I've got a bunch of space. I mean, just Honestly, my, all the, all the, like, more than I was praying for, more than I was dreaming of, like, all these things just get checked, 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 checked. Um, so that, that's, yeah, that's one that was recent. Um, another one that I really wanted to share, I'm going to, I'm going to, hopefully I've got time. Another one, my mom recently fell and, and broke her hip. Um, I want to say recently, it was about a month, month and a half ago. And I'm over here in Australia. My folks live in America and, it's just a bit distant and, and you really, you want to be able to, I don't know, I'm, I'm a nursing student and you, you want to make sure that she's getting good care and, and she's getting what she needs. And it's, it's a bit hard. You're, I'm distant. I'm separate from the situation. I can't do or intervene anyway. So I'm just praying, Lord, you know, I, I pray that you, you can help intervene and you can do good things and, and just help that situation. And, um, she was able to get the medical care she needed. However, a big portion of the care that she needs is, is a lot of rehab. Um, she also has Parkinson's and et cetera. Anyway, the answer to this prayer is that it was answered before I even asked. My folks opened up their home to a few individuals and just out of the kindness of their heart and because these individuals needed, uh, needed a place to stay. And so these people were staying with my folks. And um, it didn't even cross my mind because I'm, I'm talking to my folks and they're like, you know, praise God, it's been such a blessing. Um, one of the guys here that's been living with us is a former physio. And so he's been working oh, with mom, wow. like doing her physio work and helping her get her rehab and what she needs. And, and like, and one of them is like a former nurse. And so just helping some of the, some of the other daily cares. And one of them's like a cook. And so she's been like cooking food and like, it's just been like, God, before I ask you answer, like, thank you so much. I didn't know about this. I'd forgotten about this. I thought it was nothing, but before I asked you answered. So yeah, that's some of the recent things that were really, really cool in my life. That's awesome, man. Mm. So good to hear those things. So glad to hear that things are going well and that God has been able to do those things in your life. Um, what, while we wrap up, is there is there anything that you'd like to share just in closing with our listeners? Oh, man. if Prayer is so important, man. Prayer, prayer, prayer is huge. And, uh, you know, it's a vulnerable space, but if, if you can, if you can be vulnerable, if you've got those, 
the biggest impacts I think I've had in my life have been times when I'm just alone and on my knees crying and, and just telling, hey, God, I've got nothing else. You're the only hope I've got to turn to. And he has answers. He's got answers to questions you didn't even know you had. Um, and he's making a way for you. So I love it. Right. I love it. That's beautiful. And we'll just finish with this, uh, this Psalm, Psalm 27, verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, wait for the Lord. This is Michael Yazerski and Martha Marlowe, I believe. A flower grows And I believe that somewhere In the darkest night A candle glows I believe for everyone Who goes astray Someone will a party and you're invited new star juice and the rtm op shop are celebrating their second anniversary with 20 days of festivities for all a new star juice we're giving away two items for the price of one for 20 days buy one get one free and the rtm op shop is selling bags for just 20 dollars. whatever items from the shop you can fit in the bag is yours clothes appliances shoes books teddy bears you can have it all for only twenty dollars don't miss this opportunity as it's only available while supplies last come celebrate with us for 20 days from the 22nd of november to the 17th of december at both new start juice and the r team op shop monday to friday from 10 a.m to 4 p.m at 45 william street raymond terrace you're listening to faith fm positively different radio Make sure you tune in to The Breakfast Show to Encounter God, play the quiz, hear great music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every morning on Faith FM. I cannot make a world and form it in my hands. I cannot make the lightning flash across the land. I cannot take a piece of clay and mold it. But I have a father, I have a father who can. Now 
he sits high, he sits high and he looks, he low, looks low, and he guides my feet wherever I go. When I don't understand, when I don't understand, I have a father, I have a father, I have a father, I have a father, who cares? I have a father, who I cannot take a cloud or send it in the sky. I cannot love humanity so much that I would die. I cannot name the stars or count the grains of sand. But I have a father, I have a father. He sits, he sits high, and he looks he low, low, and he guides my feet wherever I go. Oh, when I don't understand, when I don't understand, I have a father, 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 who. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tesh, and this is Faith FM. Awesome. So we are about to jump into our Bible study, but I just want to do another plug. I, I always say that you don't have to say it, you just have to do the plug now that I think about that. You know, I've been announcing <laughs> because every you've announcing plug that plugs. I've done, every shameless plug. I do, yeah. they're sh- and they are, they're shameless. It's but true. I always announce them. I've just realized I do this in sermons. Mm. I do this on the radio. I kind of do this. You're like warning people. I wonder if I do this at home with my wife, like shameless plug. <laughs> I made dinner tonight and it's going to be good. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe You'll this, have to this shameless plug has nothing to do with food or, uh, yeah, nothing to do with food. But anyway, <laughs> we wanted to uh, just make another plug for question of the week so uh, we would love to hear from you at the end of the show we have a time where we can answer questions that you send in not because we have all the answers but because we love to try and help find the answers from scripture and uh, so we'd love to hear from you could be anything could be about god could be about jesus could be about the bible could be about practical christianity could be you know you name anything we would love to hear from you with your questions and also today we are going to do a code word later for a free giveaway and the first caller today who responds with that code word once we give it which we haven't given it yet is going to receive a free copy of this the book is called move the stone and what it does is it talks about how you can release your power as an ordinary person so god works and uses people in amazing ways and can you imagine how God can use an average person, their ordinary skills? This book is will show you how you can do that. So it's like it. moving the stone. I love it. There's a saying it. you have that um, uh, a rolling stone never gathers moss. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just- I love it. So learning how to unlock the potential that God has given you. Fantastic. So 
You can call or text in at any time with a question for Question of the Week for later in the show, or when you hear the code word, you can call or text 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669. And in case it wasn't clear or you weren't here at the beginning of the show, I wanted to let you know about something exciting. I actually am super stoked about this. Monday morning on the Faith FM Breakfast Show with Lyle and Lawson, This Monday, they are going to be having a guest appearance, a guest speaker coming on the show, and her name is Michaelia Cash. She is currently the Federal Attorney General of Australia, so she's a politician, and she's going to be coming to speak with Lyle and Lawson about the religious discrimination bill. And so if you have been wondering about religious liberty in Australia, you're wondering about that bill and how things are progressing with all of this stuff, if you would like to find out, join us Monday for the breakfast show right here on Faith FM with Lyle and Lawson, and you can plug into that. Tell your friends. It's going to be great. I'm super excited about it. And that, if you're unfamiliar with the breakfast show, goes from 7 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock in the morning, Monday through Friday every week. So join us for that. That'll be super interesting. All right, so without any further ado, we are continuing our journey through John. So if you have a Bible, we invite you to open up to the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament, to chapter 9. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we're in chapter 9. And Tash, would you like to pray for us today? Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you now, we just ask for your spirit to dwell in us. Help us to see and hear and to listen to what you have to say to us. May your spirit continue to lead and guide. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're in John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And um, this is immediately following the conversations that Jesus was just having with some of the religious leaders in Jerusalem where he claimed to be the great I Am who spoke to Abraham. And uh, when they had attempted to throw stones at him in order, in other words, they they had attempted to kill him, he went out and hid himself out of the temple and they were unable to do so. And that's where we left off. So John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming where no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. All right, let's pause there for a moment. Okay, what's going on here? What what in the world is happening? Um. So there's a he's just uh he coming back coming back. <laughs> so Jesus is walking. Jesus is walking. He's by, walking in Jerusalem. Yeah, and he comes past a man who's in what search circumstance? What's this man? So situation? he's blind, and he's been blind from birth. Okay, now this yeah. is interesting. I didn't know this until this morning. Check this out. Did you know that this is the only occurrence of a miracle? In the Gospels, where it says that the person's who the person's disease or malady was present from birth, did you know that? I didn't know that until this morning. I didn't know that. Isn't that interesting? So what Jesus is about to do here is unheard of, right? The fact that he's going to be engaging with a man who's not only blind but been blind from birth. This is the only account, as far as I know, from what I've researched, from looking at commentaries. This is the only account in the Gospels. Now, there's a parallel account, right? In Acts chapter 3, Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, heals a man who was lame from birth. In other words, his legs were not functioning from birth. But this is the only account that we have in the Gospel stories of Jesus doing this. Mm. Now, there's a second thing that's going on here, right? He's gone past this guy. Now, what's the question? 
often the disciples come to him with like theological questions of the day. They come off the Mount of Transfiguration and they're asking him a, a question about a theological debate among their custom at the time. It happens over and over and over again. But what's this question? Well, this question is this. He oh, were his parents sins the reason why he was born blind. That's right. So he's yeah. born blind. Yeah. What's the fault? Like, who's at fault? Why was he born blind? Did he sin before he was born? Or were his parents guilty of some sin and that's why he was born blind? Now, I want you to, I want you to put your mind for a moment into the mind of a first century Palestinian Jewish person. And I want you to gain a little bit of insight. This is fascinating stuff because what's really interesting here, I want to read to you just a couple of quotes from the Talmud. Now, the Talmud and the Mishnah are, are Jewish rabbinical writings. They're writings by the Jewish teachers of that time period. Now, some of these writings are a little bit after Jesus, but they reflect some of the ideas that were present in Jesus' time. Check this out. So this is not from the Bible. Make sure you recognize yeah. that. What I'm about to read is not from Scripture. It's from the Talmud. This is from the Shabbat um, 55 uh, in the Mishnah, or sorry, the Talmud. It says, there is no death without sin. Well, we know that's a true statement, but it also says, and there is no suffering without iniquity. It goes on in another place in the Netarim 41 uh, portion of this. It says, a sick man does not recover from his sickness until all his sins are forgiven him. Are you catching a little bit of the idea of what the rabbis were teaching in this time? They go on and say in another place uh, in another place in the Talmud, in the Sota, it says this. They say, in the measure with which a man measures, it is meted out unto him. In other words, they believed many of the people, not because it was in Scripture, but because many of the teachers of the law taught this, that what happens to you in life, the, the physical diseases, the physical maladies, the problems that come your way are a direct correlation to direct specific sins that you have committed in your life. Now, they could also say that some of these sins would be passed on from your parents. Now, there's a sense in which this is true, right? Yeah. There's a sense in which this is true. For example, my, my family, we have a history of alcoholism. So I have a propensity towards addictive behavior that was present in the generation before me, was present in the generation before that, and that's, that's got genetic, epigenetic triggers that are switched in my life. And what I saw as a, as a kid growing up, those behaviors are etched into my brain, right? In that sense, there are things that happen in our life that are consequences of our parents' patterns of behavior, our, our parents' sins, right? Yeah. That's a true fact of life, <laughs> and Scripture ex- explains that as well. In the Ten Commandments, it's mentioned, for example. But there's a second way that this is mentioned that is not true, right? So if I go out and am walking across the street today and I get hit by a car, that is not necessarily because I committed some particular sin, right? It could be that the person driving the car was not paying attention. It could be that they were a drunk driver. It could be that I crossed at a dangerous time, right? It's not necessarily a direct correlation to some sin that I committed. When you get when someone that you love gets cancer, it may or may not be directly related to some behavior. Perhaps it's related to some activity like drinking or smoking or something else, you know, working in a place where there's radiation. But perhaps it's not. And so what's really interesting to identify here is that there's a sense in which these guys are right, but there's another sense in which they are totally wrong. And the point is clear. Scripture does not paint the picture that God just arbitrarily is giving you judgments right, like karma. Karma is not a biblical concept, right? What's fascinating is if you read one of the oldest books in the whole of the Bible, and that's the book of Job, 
it actually outlines how there are times where the devil himself is permitted, right? Because God allows a level of free will to be happening all the time, right? Well, he allows free will full stop, but he allows, he, he puts boundaries on what the devil can and cannot do, right? But there are times where, where the devil is attacking and God is not intervening to stop everything. But that does not mean that everything that happens in our life is a direct corollary or something that comes directly from some sin that we did that we're being judged and punished for. But that's the idea that these guys are putting forward. And I love what Jesus says here, because they're asking, okay, if every sin that has been done results in some physical difficulty, whose fault is it? His parents, or was he somehow able to sin in the womb? So that's kind of the question that's been going on here. And Jesus' response is fascinating. We're going to talk about that in a moment. This is Randy Travis, Precious Lord. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand, I'm tired, I'm weak. And I'm worn Through the storm Through the night Lead me on To the light Take my hand Precious Lord Lead 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And we're excited to, uh, man, how good was that song? Oh, it's I was just, I was crooning was like here crooning. in the, uh, in the studio. I was loving it. It's a good thing the microphone wasn't on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're excited to have you here with us today. And, uh, just another shameless plug for question of the week. Uh, if you call or text in with a question that you have about God, spirituality, religion, practical Christianity, whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. We can uh, address that in our question of the week portion. You can call or text in to the number we'll tell you in just a sec. But we're also doing a giveaway today. And the first caller in when we give out the code word some point during this Bible study is going to receive a free copy of Move the Stone, Releasing the Power of Ordinary People. And it tells of the author tells us how they were living humdrum lives and kind of like menial existence but then god took over their lives and then put them in a place and equipped them to not only plant a church and become you know ministry and just do things that they never could have imagined and so this this book is helping you on that way to yeah equipping god's power into your life i love it so if you want to get in on either of those things you can call or text into zero four nine one zero six four double six nine that number is zero four nine one zero six four double six nine all right, so before we jump any further, I think it's just – I just want to kind of finish off that point. It's really interesting that this idea has perpetuated so often that it is God who is out there as an exacting judge who is looking out for opportunities to pay you back for the wrongs that you have committed. And it's not the picture that we see in Scripture. What's fascinating is, if, as I mentioned before, if you read the book of Job, for example. Now, Job is either – Depending on which scholars you believe, either Moses wrote the five books of the Torah first, and they're the oldest books of the Bible, or Job. That's basically the debate, is whether which one of those is older. So Job is one of the oldest books of Scripture. And what's fascinating is that as you read through the book of Job, you see what we might we might call a controversy or a war between good and evil, between God and Satan. And you see this battle playing out in the life of a person who's considered to be a righteous man named Job. And we don't have any evidences of him doing some great, grievous, evil things in his life, and yet he suffers immensely in life, not because God was there saying, well, you did this, so now I'm going to punish you with that, but because Job lived in a broken, sinful world, and the consequences of sin in general, the fact that we live in a world where there is sin, there is wrongdoing, evil, selfishness that takes place that you commit, that I commit, that everybody in the world is a part of that there are things that happen that, yes, are consequences of sin generally, but are not always directly consequent to things that we have done. Sometimes, in fact, we suffer not because of our own sins, but because of someone else's sins, right? When someone else commits sins against us, we suffer even though we may not be guilty of, of anything. And so this this difficulty we see painted in Scripture, and we, we see that God himself will be the ultimate judge, and he will right all of the wrongs. And that none of us are worthy, but that through coming to Jesus, we can be counted worthy by his atoning blood that he has shed for us as we surrender to him. And so I love that picture, but this is the debate that's going along along with the disciples. They're like, hey, so what's the deal? Whose fault is it this kid was born blind, right? If he'd become blind at five years old, it was because he did something. And that's why God made him blind. That was their perspective in the day of many people. But notice Jesus' response to this superstitious, ugly and false picture of God. Notice what he says. He says, look, man, he says, it was not this man that sinned, nor his parents, right? 
That's that's the reason this guy's born blind is not because of any specific sin that he did that resulted in specifically blindness or any specific sin that his parents did that resulted in blindness. He says, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And what I love about this is that God is saying God's going to bring good out of even the most difficult circumstances, right? God can bring good out of those ugly situations if we surrender them to him. It's not because God did this. This man was born blind because he's born into a sinful world, and there are consequences of sin. Death and suffering is, 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 is something that everybody experiences in this life. But it's not a direct, arbitrary God shooting down lightning bolts from the sky, and Jesus is about to prove it by what he does next. So shall we keep reading? I think we're in verse 4, 5, we're in 6. Five. <laughs> we're in verse 6. John chapter 9 and verse 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Oh, awesome. So what happens here? What's going on? What sticks out to you, Tash? That he used the mud. Like Jesus used his spit and mud to, to make him see again. He healed him through, yeah, through mud. And some people are like, ew, why did he do that? Like, why did he use his spit and mud? But if we look back to the creation story. Oh, uh, awesome. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. Where, where Adam was made and formed in the dust, and then Jesus, and then God breathed life into him. This is, this is almost the same thing. It's not, it doesn't, not exactly the same thing, but it represents how he is the creator of life. And he gives him sight. And so that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it because in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed Adam from the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul or a living being. Yeah. And this idea of dust plus God's breath equals life, mm. right? That's what it means to be humanist when those two things are connected together. And I love it. Like you said, there's this yeah. connection. He takes yeah. dust of the ground and he spits on it, right? Mm. Breath comes from the mouth of God. Spit comes from the mouth of God here. And he's doing in a similar fashion what he did at the beginning. Mm. But I love this because if you take it a bit further, because you can see the parallel, obviously, right? Like it's yeah. just, it's plain as day. Mm. But the, the thing that's really neat to me is that this demonstrates that not only what John said in John chapter 1, 1 to 3, that Jesus was present and active doing the work of creation, but that Jesus is present and active doing the work of re-creation. Yeah. He is not only the creator, but he is the savior, the redeemer, the one who is going to heal your and my brokenness if we come to him. And I love this. That's beautiful, isn't it's it? Awesome stuff. Something else that really jumps out at me in this little part of the story is, what does Jesus say? He says, go. Wash, like he gives him instructions. Yeah, it's Jesus's power that's doing this, right? The Holy Spirit's at work. Jesus is doing this. It's the voice of God working in this situation. But notice what happens: Jesus heals everybody differently, and I think this is incredibly important for a variety of reasons. Mm. But notice, 
There are times where Jesus speaks and he's not even present, can't see the guy, he's well. There are times where Jesus touches the person and then says, hey, you're healed. There are times where he says, get up and go and wash. There are times where he says, get up and walk. And I love what's going on here. It's never our power. It's always God's power. But notice that there's a level of cooperation taking place. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And that's the demonstration of faith, right? Like, do you, if there's no response, then what evidence is there that there was faith at all, right? Like, he was given the opportunity. Because notice, he didn't ask for healing in the story. So Jesus didn't just come up and go, boom, you're good, moving on, right? Like, he says, go and wash. And the man says, so I went and I washed. And because he responded in faith to what Jesus had instructed, he received that which Jesus had promised. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And I love this, right? Go wash. I went and I washed and I received my sight. Who did this for you? Right? And I love this. It's like, it's the power of a personal story of what God has done. Mm. We might call that a testimony, right? Like he would testify in court, which is why we call our testify segment that, because we're testifying of stories of God at work in our lives. Yeah. But notice what opportunity this affords, right? Is this not the man who used to, who used to sit and beg, right? He used to be blind, but now he's changed. And I love this because the reality is when Jesus comes into your life and does something and he changes your life, then you all of a sudden have a used to. And when you have a used to in your story, you can then say, look what Jesus has done because I used to be that. I used to be blind. I used to be living this way, but God has changed that. I can see now I'm living that way. And not because we're perfect, we're on a journey, but because God is in the business of taking our used tos and turning it into what we are becoming by his grace. And I love that. His personal story, his personal testimony is what gave him the opportunity to give glory and praise to God. This is Anders Svensson, Blind Man. Yeah. 
alleyway. A man stood down and made some clay. He walked to me, then gently touched my eyes. From my eyes, and I saw the light. I saw the light, and it was so bright. I saw the face of the one who healed my eyes. To real faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith of Them. And that was again Anders Svensson, and uh, I actually know that guy, and uh, yeah. he's a he's a great musician. So if you want to check him Beautiful out, song. Anders Svensson, that was Blind Man, and the album is Goodness and Mercy. Check him out; he's a local Sydney boy, and uh, yeah, he put, puts out some great some great tunes about Jesus. All right, before we get back into our Bible study, we're going to do another plug, 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 plug for question of the week. We'd love to hear you from you for a question of the week so please send in your questions and uh, we're going to say a code word at some point during the bible study and uh, the first caller in just to the first caller today yep. we have one copy that's it of the book called move the stone it's a book about releasing the power of ordinary people and how god can equip you to do anything that you put your imagination to so this book is about how um uh, a lady and her family um, were planting, well, they were just doing normal things. And then they, um, yeah, they found the call of God and planted a church and became yeah, integral in the ministry. So who knows what that looks like for you, but this book is definitely something that can help you there. That's right. If you want to unlock the potential and the skills and the talents that God mm. has given to you and to put those to his service, make sure you call in when we give you the code word. You can do that to 0491-064-669 and send in your questions to that same number, 0491-064-669. And the code word, by the way, is blind. (laughs) Boom, boom, blind. So if you call or text in the word blind to 0491-064-669, 
Zero, no, I lost it. Zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. You call or text in that number. The first caller, get in there quick. Get there quick. First caller is going to get the free copy of that book. The word was blind. All right, let's continue. So you had something you were wanting to share with me before during the break. Well, I was just wondering. Well, okay, so he was healed. The blind man was healed, but then the guy, the people that saw him were like, "Oh, is this the guy that was begging? Oh, is this the guy that was?" How come they didn't recognize him? Because they had seen him just for a long time, like begging, and they would have seen him walk past him every day. Yeah, like he was like this his whole life. Yeah, his whole life. It doesn't tell us how old he was, but later on it tells us he's of age. So that gives us an indicator of a minimum age that he would have been. So the reality is they would have known him. They would have seen him. But I think that this is a really great point because there are times in our life where God has done something, and he has so radically transformed our life that people at first can't even – figure it out. They're like, wait, hang on a second. Are you really that guy? Oh, right? Have you yeah. ever have you ever met somebody that you knew in your childhood and they've changed so much that all of a sudden you're like, whoa, hang on a second. You look familiar, but you can't place it? Yeah. Right? It's like that, but on a spiritual level, right? Like the reality is when Jesus comes into your life and your life is in a state of transition and change by his grace, by his Holy Spirit working in you and changing your life, there will be times where people just don't recognize you. Because you're not the same anymore. And what I love about this is sometimes that's a physical thing, right? Like you might have been, you know, living one lifestyle and now your lifestyle is so drastically different that you look very different, right? Mm. I know people who have come from a life of substance misuse and they come and they look very different. They've, you know, they were underweight. Now they're at a healthy weight. They were not in their right mind. Now they're in their right mind. Their, their dress changed. Their speech changed. All sorts of things have changed. And there's, there might be that physical difference. But then there's also just the change of character and the spiritual difference that people notice in your actions, your words, your behaviors, which would obviously be present in that other circumstance I just raised as well. But there there are times where when people see you, because your life has been changed by Jesus, you're not the same. You used to be that, but now you're this. And that's powerful, man. It's powerful. Sometimes people don't even recognize you at first. Yeah. So like in all many of the other circumstances, here's somebody who's been healed, but now we need to find out a little bit more about it. So we're going to continue on. We're in John chapter 9, verse 13. And as is the usual custom when someone is healed, they bring them to the Pharisees or to the uh, priests, and etc., to find out about what's going on. So let's read on. They brought the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So so they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? All right, let's pause there. Okay, what's happening here? So he comes before the Pharisees and then what? And now they're on a fact-finding mission. And why? Why, why is this such a big deal to them? Well, it, again, it's Sabbath, and there's another healing on the Sabbath. Okay. Yeah. So now, this is fascinating, right? Yeah, because there's nowhere in Scripture that I'm aware of, and I've I've been studying the Bible most days for the last like 16 years. 
There's nowhere in Scripture that I'm aware of where it condemns doing healing on the Sabbath. However, there were some rabbinical sayings and ideas that said, no, 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 you need to get that done on a different day. And what's fascinating about this is this is demonstrating again that there was a misunderstanding of the very things that were plain in Scripture about what the purpose of the Sabbath day was. And isn't it interesting that Jesus is able to do these things at any other time, but he seems to be intentionally demonstrating that they are misunderstanding the nature and the purpose of the very Sabbath rest that God himself had created. Yeah. Right? Notice what Jesus is doing here. He's identifying that the purpose of Sabbath is not to lay on all of these extra rules that are not even scriptural. First of all, if you read through the the Mishnah Shabbat, the, the Sabbath laws of the rabbis, there are, I'm trying to remember how many there are, there's like 50 plus extra rules that they added to to on how you would keep the Sabbath. And some of those things are disagreeing with each other. They're not biblical. They're adding on all of these man-made traditions. And notice what Jesus is doing here. He's upsetting the system. He's not upsetting the word of God, but he's upsetting the system of man-made traditions. And he's going above and beyond and showing the reality is that God is in the business of restoring humanity. And that doesn't just take place six days a week. God is in the business of restoring humanity all the time. Now is the time to be healed. Come to Jesus every day, any day, right? And I love this. This doesn't do away with the Sabbath or the beauty of the Sabbath or the Sabbath command. It doesn't do any of that. What it does is it actually highlights and uplifts the purpose of the Sabbath to a greater and clearer understanding. This is a day for restoration, not just a day of physical relaxation, but of spiritual restoration. And I love this. Check out what they say there too is, right? They're like, how can, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs, right? What are the signs again? In the Greek, it was semeon, and it means signs or wonders, something that is done that demonstrates the character and the nature of the one who's doing them. So what are we seeing? We're seeing the character of God exhibited mm. in how Jesus keeps the Sabbath. Because mm. he does. Yeah. It says over and over, Jesus kept the Sabbath. He went into the synagogue as his custom was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? He's obeying all of these things. But how he's doing it is he's interpreting for them their misunderstandings, and he's identifying them to them how to truly keep Sabbath. And it involves healing the sick. Mm. Isn't that powerful? It is powerful. Beautiful. So I I just wanted to add, so Sabbath is rest, restoration, healing. That's what it's always been about. And so, yeah, definitely not just on the seventh day, but that needs to happen daily. And, um, oh, beautiful. Keep reading. Well, what else is interesting, just before we keep reading, but we will keep reading in a sec. Check this out, right? The Jews didn't believe that he'd been born blind, right? So here they are. They're like, we don't believe him. We don't believe you. We want some eyewitnesses. We want some testimony. Remember what we've been talking about yeah. it over and over and over again. Testimony, testimony, testimony. Two or three witnesses, two or three witnesses. Yeah. Like that came up in the last chapter, huge. And now they're looking for some more. So they say, we don't believe you. We're going to call his parents and ask if he really was born blind. Not just blind, but born, born blind. blind. Yeah. And so they call for the parents and they ask him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? And I love this. They're like, we don't believe him. So we're going to ask you. All right, let's keep reading. We're in verse 20. His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. 
And so therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. What a dog move, right? His parents are here and they're like, look, we don't want to bear the consequences. And I mean, it would be understandable. It would be difficult to see what was going on there in some ways. And they're afraid of being cast out of the synagogue. But notice what they do. They throw it back on him. He is of age. He's a man. Ask him. And they relinquish themselves of all responsibility. This is for him. Be thou my vision. King of 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. And uh, we've already done the uh, the giveaway, but I don't think anyone's called in, have they? No one's called in for the giveaway yet? Oh, so they're <gasps> still there. So if you've been just like hanging out, you're driving, you're like, oh, I'm driving. It's not safe for me to do that. You're right. It's not safe. So pull over in a safe place, turn the car off, put it in park, or, you know, put the handbrake on, and then just call or text in 0491-064-669, text the word blind, blind, and you'll get your hands on blind. a free copy of that book. Move the stone. How to release the power of just ordinary people. Awesome. Yeah. And how to utilize the potential that God has given you and to put that to God's service. Mm. And uh, let me tell you, everybody in the Bible that you read about was just an ordinary person. Yeah. And the fact that so many of their mistakes are shown in the scriptures tells you that they were just ordinary people like you and me, but God was able to use them. So we want to encourage you to call or text in to 491 The code word was blind. And also... Blind. You can call or text in with your questions for Question of the Week. It's your last chance to get them in, so we want to encourage you to do that. We'd love to hear from you. There's time to answer a couple of questions, so please send those in to 491 All right, let's continue reading. So his parents have come in, and they've been under the pump and under pressure. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of getting kicked out of the synagogue. They can see that there's an incredible miracle being done. Who's, who do you know of that's been born blind and ever seen again? Like I, I've I've never heard stories like that outside of this this kind like this story. I've yeah. not heard of that. Either he was born with eyes that were underdeveloped, or he was born and they weren't developed, or they were they were somehow malfunctioned from the very beginning. And so this is an incredible thing that's happening here that Jesus has done. It's powerful. And so as you read through this, you can see it's quite astonishing. But mm. his parents just throw him out, right? Yeah, we're not we we're we're not going to lose our access to the synagogue. Now I want you to think about what this means, right? And think about what's going on here. They're saying, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're not going to be able to participate in the synagogue. That means you're being ostracized. You're you're cast out of the church. You're cast out of connection to the faith community because you believe Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures. This is quite a challenge because they're afraid of losing their access to all of those things. But there are times where Jesus says, even your own family may disown you for your faith in Jesus. But how can you go against what Jesus has physically, literally done in your life, right? Mm. And so what a dilemma. And how is the man going to respond in this circumstance? So verse 24. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they they riled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he came from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he came, where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in us a sin, and would, 
and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Woo! What a story, right? Like, wow. there is so much going on in here, right? Yeah. So many things. First of all, I want to highlight this point. The first thing that they say to him is they say, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. But hang on. Let's go back to John chapter 8, verse 46 that we read last week and read what they said then, right? Jesus said, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe? And no one convicted him of sin, right? In other words, they're telling each other all these different stories. They're like, yeah, yeah, we know that this man's a sinner. Well, what's he guilty of, right? Uh, what's he guilty of? Yeah. Well, he's not guilty of breaking the Sabbath. He's guilty of going against the man-made traditions that the rabbis and the teachers of the law have added to the scriptures. But since when are we going to be judged on what was added by man's tradition? Jesus says, you break the law of God to keep your traditions. You should follow the law of God instead of your traditions, mm. right? It's <laughs> so like, first of all, they're making some bold assertions here that are false, what else is going on in here? Well, they're saying that they they came from Moses, and then because they they came from Moses, and Moses actually spoke to God. Therefore, that's like the the legitimacy. Like, yeah, yeah, that's why we're we we know what we're talking about, and he doesn't know what he's talking about because how could he know? He didn't come from Moses. That's right. And yet, and yet they miss it because he he did. <laughs> yeah, and what's yeah. powerful when you think yeah. about this is the very chapter before. What was Jesus claiming? Before Abraham was, I am. So even older than Moses, mm. even older than Torah, was Abraham. And Abraham was after Jesus, right? Like, that's what he's saying. Yeah. He's saying, I was, I was always, I mm. am always, I am the one who made all things. And I am doing this recreation as an evidence that I am the one who did the original creation. Yeah. Right? Like, this is so powerful and it's so intuitive. And they're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be his follower, but we are followers of Moses. But isn't it interesting that Jesus was saying, and I, was it was it just a chapter before? I'm getting confused here in my chapters. It might be next chapter. But Jesus was saying, you know, if you were truly children of Abraham, you would have done as Abraham did, right? Didn't we do that? Wasn't that John chapter 7? Anyway, it's powerful, man, because he's trying to say, look, if you really were like Moses, if you really were like Abraham, then you would believe me because they did. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's powerful stuff, man. It's confronting stuff. And oh, I was just saying. And then he goes on because they're questioning the blind man. But then he goes on, and he he says, "Why you can see? You can literally see me, and that I can see, and yet you wouldn't believe what has just happened." Mm. And it's just like, like even if it's right in front of your face, you don't want to believe it because it's not. It doesn't agree with what you believe in. Yeah, it's challenging. It stuff, is man. challenging. It's challenging stuff. <laughs> And uh, and also, like he's the blind man. He's been a beggar. He probably hasn't had much status in society. You like you know, mm. for him to be able to stand up and just be able to speak to the rabbis, speak in the synagogue to them, would have taken a lot of courage as well. Mm. So he's not only standing up for what's happened to him, but he's standing up for Jesus, who has has done this great thing for him. Totally. Yeah. And check this out. They answered him at the end. Right. You were born. In utter sin. Mm. And would you teach us? This goes right back to the heart of the question that was asked by the disciples. Who's guilty of the sin that led to the direct consequences? What is God punishing this man for? His sins or his parents' sins? Yeah. And notice what the teachers of the law are saying, right? The Pharisees are saying, bro, 
you were born in utter sin. In other words, they're going back to the argument that the rabbis are bickering about that has no scriptural foundation, saying the reason that you are in this situation is because God is punishing you for some sin that either you or your parents committed, and you're going to teach us, right? Mm. In other words, they're saying we're better than you because we we are in a better state of life. That means we are not guilty of the sins that you're guilty of. That's what they're saying. Yeah. That's called self-righteousness. <laughs> and notice this. Notice, yeah. they don't come off good. They're no. not coming out healed or restored, but this man is coming out healed and restored. He gets cast out of the synagogue. He gets cast out of the church, yet he's the one who's been restored and healed by God, not them. Mm. And if this doesn't talk about the movement that's taking place and the rejection that Israel is giving like organizationally towards Christ and the transition of the mission and the calling from being to the Jewish nation to the rising up of the church of God— Right, like this is taking place even now in the story, even now. All right, let's keep reading because there's one final thing going on here, and we're going to see if we can get into it. Jesus heard they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Woo! So much going on there. But notice this. He's been cast out, even by the church, not because of some guilt that he had or because of something else, but because he is proclaiming what Jesus has done for him. And in that space, he finds that he's walking around, and notice where Jesus comes into the story. Jesus finds him even though he's outcast, even though he's downtrodden, not for anything that he's done, but because Jesus has healed him. And in that space, Jesus reveals him, and he falls down on his feet, and he worships the one who has redeemed him. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Wrap up all the shattered dreams of your life And at the feet of Jesus lay them down Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. He only promised 
everyone. We're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. And you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Bracky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are you someone who struggles with the painful dilemma of finding a one-stop shop where you can buy both shoes and a smoothie, a juice and a jacket, a plant-based pie and pajamas? Stop losing sleep over these troubling questions and find answers at New Start Juice and the RTM Op Shop, where all your needs for clothing and healthy food can be found. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. Hey, Megantha, I was wondering, what time is it? Oh, so awesome. So we have a question. That question has come in from Chris. And uh, would you like to read that question for us, Tash? So the question is, if the mark of the beast is a law which enforces Sunday worship by the one world religion, religion, how would this happen? The majority of the one world government members and many of the elite rich in society are connected and practice satanic ritual worship and despise Christianity, according to most New World Order researchers. That's our question from Chris. All right. So if we were to break that down, great question. Thank you for sending that in, Chris. So the question to break this down for somebody who might not be as familiar with this this idea or this topic. So it says it equates the mark of the beast with a law that involves Sunday worship. So in the question is, if that's the case, um, how is that going to happen, right? How in the world could that be enforced? Because at the moment, it doesn't look like the people who are in those kinds of positions would would go in for something like that. Now the first the first and and most important I think answer to the question is the Bible doesn't actually tell us exactly how it will happen, right? Like it gives us details, but it doesn't give us all the fine lines of who's going to be involved and and how it's going to happen. It gives us some clues, but it's it's the simple answer to the question is we don't know exactly how it's going to happen. God doesn't spell everything out about how it will take place, but he does give us some strong points that will help us to understand that because there are some things that are very, are made very clear. So a couple of things. We're going to have a look at Revelation 13. So this is where the mark of the beast takes place. But I want you to notice something here, right? So dealing with this question, how are there going to be people who don't believe in this system of worship going to buy into this? So check this out. So in, in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about the beast coming from the sea. That beast has all of the parallels of the beasts that are mentioned in Daniel chapter 7, which represent Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, um, and then the papal Rome, the medieval church system that comes out of Rome. And all of those are represented in the image that comes out of the beast from the sea in Revelation 13, right? And then it talks about a second beast, which according to Daniel chapter 7, I think it's verse 23 offhand, tells us, oh, it might be 23, 25, somewhere around there, 
um, says that a beast represents a nation or a kingdom, right? A governmental system. And so when we get to Revelation 13, verse 11, it talks about a second beast who's coming up from a different area, rising up, having two horns like a lamb, speaking like a dragon. Now notice what happens in verse 12. It says this, And he exercises all the authority of the first beast or kingdom or power in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So if you look at the historical record, there's no other system that represents or that fits the bill of all of the clues that the Bible paints for that beast coming from the sea than the medieval church system, which still is in existence today, which still has a state, which still has a, a very, very small but very wealthy and influential country, government leader, etc. Now, when you look at that whole system, it's very interesting that it says here that this other beast, this other world power, is going to lead people back to that first beast, to that first power, the medieval church system, right? And then it goes on and it says in verse 13, He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs that he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. And he tells the people who dwell on earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. In other words, they're making an image that's going to reflect and look like that medieval church system. Are you, are you, you, is that making sense? Yeah. So whatever's going on here, it's going to be very similar to and connected with that medieval church system, the papal power, right, that you see represented in Daniel 7 all through Daniel 8, Daniel 10, 11, and 12, right? Like all of this stuff, you see it represented again here in Revelation 13. But notice this. So this is getting to the point of your question, Chris. It says here this. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. In other words, to give life to it, to give it to give it animation so it can do what it needs to do, right? That the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many who's, who would, or as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So notice that what's going on here, the point that I'm trying to make is how could this happen, right? If the mark of the beast is connected to Sunday worship, which we see in Revelation chapter 14, and we'll look at that in a quick sec. Sorry, just keeping an eye on my time and how much time we've got. How is that going to happen if the, if the world powers don't seem right now to be matching that? Well, what's fascinating to note is that for the last how many hundred years, it has not looked like this, Right. That system, that power, went out of world power status in 1798 when when the French general Berthier came under Napoleon Bonaparte and removed the pope from his system of power and seat of authority. Notice that it says that that beast, that papal system, that medieval church power, has a deadly wound, but it's healed. So the Bible's telling us that there's there's forecast a time where where what seemed to be lost, the power that seemed to be lost by that influential power, will be coming back. And when that power comes back, notice, it was not just on its own that that was happening, but it was with this other world power, the lamb-like beast, the earth beast that's represented there, making an image to it, right? Modeling a system after it, and it working in conjunction to be following those patterns. Now, notice when you come to Revelation chapter 14 and what's often referred to as the three angels' messages, it talks about the everlasting gospel going out to all the world in chapter 14, verse 6, verse 7. It says this, though, right? 
saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water, which is a direct quotation from the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, which is the Sabbath commandment, right? And so you've got this connection. Everybody is going to worship the beast and have the mark of the beast, except those who receive the seal of God. And the, the, the question here is the issue of worship. Worship God as creator in the way that he has signified and explained in Scripture, or worship the beast in some counterfeit measure. And what we notice is that historically this is one of the marks that the medieval church used as a, representata- or a representation of its power and its authority, the power to hold human traditions over and above the scriptural authority over and above the words of God. And that, in fact, is what we've been reading about today, that Jesus is saying, right? They're saying, they're, they're, they're saying Jesus, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath. But he wasn't breaking what the Scripture said about the Sabbath. He was breaking man-made traditions. And Jesus told them, his own people, the children of Israel, you follow your traditions at the expense of breaking God's commandments. He says that's the opposite of what you should do. Let go of your traditions and follow God's commandments. So we don't know all the details of how that's going to happen, but according to what we've read here in Scripture, it says that it's going to be a process that will involve this other world power, and you'll have to hang out to learn a little bit more about that.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. It's it's such a funny thing. I'm going to let you guys in a little insight into my little experience with radio, that um, when something funny happens right before you come back on air, it's, it's really hard to stop it's laughing. It's really hard. <laughs> and, so, I, and, I and then you feel bad because anyway. you're like, you can't tell everybody the joke. And Anyway. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending in your question, Chris. I hope that was helpful. If you have more questions, please call or text in and just let us know, yeah. and we can um, try and get some more information to you. We could connect up and try and um, yeah have a bit more of a discussion about that. We're limited on time, but I hope that was helpful to you. Um, okay. So it has now come the end of the show, and at the end of the show, <laughs> we come through another amazing thing that I think is really important, yeah. and that's this. It's time for application. What can we take out of this chapter of Scripture and apply in our real life? Because at the end of the day, it's not just about reading some book and knowing some cool things to put in our head and do nothing with. But the reality is, are we going to be like the man who, when Jesus said, go and wash, he went and washed and he received the very thing that Jesus was promising to give to him? So what can we learn there was like a secret lesson in the it introduction, was. wasn't it? <laughs> that's my first point. Oh, well, that's then, my first practical that's lesson. That's my first point. <laughs> that's my Woo! first point. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's talk about it. So what can we draw from this chapter? Continue that thought. Is that you can meet Jesus and he can meet you where you are, but it takes you you participating in that. It takes you taking that step towards him as well. It, it He had to go to the pool to wash his eyes. Yes, Jesus did the miracle. He put the mud there. But it, he had to be part of. He want. He had to want it. He had to want the healing he in his life. It. Yeah, he had to choose it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's like oh, I want a relationship with God. I I want to get closer to Him. I want to spend more time in His Word. I want a good prayer life. You need to pray more. Like so be do in it, there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like do something. Open about the it. Word. Spend time in the Word. And yeah. people are always like, oh, how should I do it? Just open it. Open it and get find, started. Get started. One word, one sentence leads to one chapter. It's, yeah. And that's in anything, in any, you're going to stumble and there's going to be, um, little hurdles and, you know, this is the growing process. And that is the, the learning process with Jesus. We've, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, you're going to continue moving and growing and sometimes it'll be uncomfortable, but it's just like you choose to do that totally. daily. Totally. Yeah. My dad always said is when I was a kid, and I can remember this clear as day, he would say, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Mm. right. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, right? It's worth, doing, it's worth doing well. It's worth giving it your best. But then somebody else told me a couple of years ago, they said, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly at first. And what they meant was, and I think this is really powerful, you're not going to do it right all the time. Yeah. You're not going to do it perfectly the first go, right? Like, get started. Mm. The fact is, if it's worth doing, it's worth getting through the difficult early stages of of not doing it well 
and learning to do it well, right? Like any relationship, it takes time. There's going to be give and take. There's going to be growing. It's like learning to walk. Yeah. You don't start doing it great. <laughs> you start mostly on your backside. That's true. <laughs> More on your backside than on your feet. And it's <laughs> but guess what? Yeah. Your parents lift you up. They pick you up. Mm. They dust off your backside and they keep you walking. Mm. And it's got bruises involved. It's got tears. All sorts of mistakes get made along the way. But eventually you start walking and you yeah. fall less and less. Mm. And isn't that a beautiful process? And in that whole time, just like a loving parent, God is there with you on that whole journey. But you got to choose to participate. And I love that because sometimes, sometimes we are the only obstacle that's in the way to what God wants to do. Oftentimes we might be the only obstacle. It's so true. And all we have to do is just get out of the way, just choose to, and we may not even be able to get out of the way. Maybe just be able to say, God, can you help me? Mm. Can you take me out of the way? Right? Like just take it. I love it. Was there some other things that we can take out of this story? I think it just hearkening back to the judgment thing. Mm. Um, isn't it interesting? The chapter before we talked about how Jesus was talking about judgment and he said, I will judge no one. And then he said, if I do judge, I don't judge alone. And then he said, I have much to judge. Then he said, God is the judge. And now here he says, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. And I think it's really poignant there that the attitude of the Pharisees was such that he said, hey, because you say that you see, your guilt remains, Mm. right? In other words, because you're not willing to allow God to teach you, you're guilty. You weren't guilty before when you were ignorant, but that which you are willfully ignorant of, that which you are now knowing and refusing to see that God is showing you, he says that you will be guilty of. And so I think that that in a real practical sense is a a word of warning and a word of caution to us that God is going to teach us. Let's not remain willfully ignorant, but let's let's be like the man who was willing to be cast out in order to follow Jesus, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, Peter, when Peter denied Jesus, he, like Jesus said, call the disciples and Peter, right? Like he'd lost his status in the, in the group. Yeah. And yet he came to Jesus and Jesus was able to forgive and to reestablish him in that position. Judas did the opposite, Judas took his problem to the priests, and guess what? No priest can forgive your sins. He took it to the wrong person. He needed to take his issues to Jesus. And so we need to be like this man and not like the Pharisees in this story who is willing to be cast out from all of the things that are familiar and comfortable to actually follow Jesus. Because guess what? The priests and the Pharisees, the church pastor, whatever else, they can't heal you, but Jesus Christ can heal you. I think that's really powerful. Take it to Jesus. What else can we learn? Beautiful. Um, I just standing standing up for or standing up for what's right because he saw what, what Jesus he could see. Jesus had done something and he wanted to stand up for that. And I think it's important that we stand up for what Jesus is doing for our lives. Sometimes it can be hard and it can be a struggle, but I think we should. Yeah, definitely. Like he did. I love it. I love it. It's so good, man. It, <laughs> yeah. So good. Uh, one last thing that I think we can take out of this. Sometimes we think we know what we don't know, right? And we think we know so much that we actually rob ourselves of the opportunity of really knowing. And in the Jewish mindset, like we were talking about earlier, to know is experiential. It's not just intellectual. And a friend of mine describes faith this way. He says, faith is belief plus action. And I love that idea. So as you go about your week, as you're doing things, I want you to just remember Trust in Jesus. Hang on to him. 
because he is in the business of redemption and restoration and healing. Mm. Stick around for Drive Time, guys, and uh, make sure you tune into The Breakfast Show on Monday to listen to the Federal General Attorney Lady and uh, hear about the religious discrimination bill. And in the meantime, remember, real faith is live faith. faith.